trade guard Avery Bradley and a second round pick for the Pistons. Hello everybody and welcome to the Heart of Sports. I'm Jason Springer, back with my co-hosts both in studio this week, Jeff Cohen and Jeff Rupberg. Here with you on 610 AM Sports ESPN Radio, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. If you'd like to join us, you can call at 888-728-9941. Again, that number is 888-728-9941. Or you can tweet at us at The Heart of Sport if you have any topics on the conversation we are talking about. Jeff Cohen, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Back from the 4th of July holiday. What better place to celebrate the 4th than in the city of the birthplace of America? You a fireworks guy? I am. Did you see any fireworks? I did. Did you like them? Uh... Most of them, we, you know, some of them are pretty lame, we, we, yeah. but, but, but a lot of them are good. And if you really want to see the best fireworks in the area, they didn't take place on the fourth. The Phillies, for whatever reason, put on the best fireworks show of the year and they're having, a, I think, a second one tonight. They are. I used to drive yeah. down to the Phillies games and park outside in the parking lot and watch the fireworks <laughs> and listen to the sound. I mean, it was when I was younger and couldn't really afford a ticket anyway. Yeah, you can't I, do that anymore. No, you can't do that That's anymore, right. but I would listen to the sound of it on the radio. Jeff Rupberg, welcome back. I'm glad to have you here from your recovery. How are we feeling? And when you last left us, we were celebrating a gold medal for your daughter, and now you've got more news. Yes, it's nice to be back. Thank you. Uh, that my bandage is off, and I'm feeling feeling much feeling better. Feeling good? Now yeah, I'm feeling to outpatient physical therapy. Knees feeling good enough to start kicking my butt? Uh, no, not quite. Not quite. All right, I we'll, can extend we'll, the leg. We'll yeah. work on that. And trip you. And what's yeah, the, what's the news with your daughter? So my daughter, who won a, uh, a gold medal in bocce in the New Jersey Summer Olympics uh, last month, was asked to 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 try out for the U.S. Nationals team. I'm impressed. Uh, along with her her, her uh, teammate Abby. That's fantastic. And, and the that's going to be for next summer in Seattle, Washington. But the tryouts are in Lawrenceville. So you're so, going to keep us updated on how oh, everything yeah. goes, right? Think about how many people do you know personally who've made the U.S. Olympic team. Not many. No, um, I, don't, I don't know anybody. I don't, I don't no. really have many friends, though, so, so I'm not a good gauge. This is the second time for her, uh, for, to her, to, uh, for her to be asked to uh, try out for the nationals team. Well, what an and, honor! And, yeah, and this so, time it's in Bocce. So we got a proud papa here yeah. in the studio, and she can go if she wins a gold medal next time in, in that uh, in the nationals. She can go to the uh, international Olympic in the na- international special Olympics. Well, I want pictures if you guys go. Okay, send them back I for will. us. All right, so let's get into what's going on in the sports world. Uh, last week we had Bob Ford on. We recapped the Sixers. Jeff Cohen, the news did not stop this week with the Sixers. We have ourselves a shooter, don't we? The draft, for whatever reason, was just the beginning. This is—is uh, is it me or is the off season more exciting than the regular season and playoffs combined? I said that jokingly last week, but I, I have enjoyed more. The drama and the narratives and the stories and the lobbying for players. It's, it's every hour. I mean, as we were, as we were coming on the air, they were talking about how the Celtics just traded Avery Bradley. Yes. But, but we got the best shooter in the NBA. Before you do that, can yeah. I give you a stat? Uh huh. In the first 60 hours of NBA free agency alone, $1.16 billion in contracts were given out, $300 million in new money for next season alone. <laughs> It's a pretty penny. Thank you, Darren Ravel, for that stat. We really appreciate that. Yeah, uh, thanks for ruining my weekend. <laughs> it's uh, you know, you don't I'm feel six like four. They could have given me you know a hundred thousand dollars. Right. If that. you could right. just dribble a little bit better, you might have been doing okay. So <laughs> and, now, and shoot. So now and tell, jump. So now tell us about the shooter because I'm excited. I never thought I'd be rooting for a Duke guy ever, 
but I'm kind of excited that that JJ Reddick's here. JJ Reddick is like the, he's the if you could pick the perfect piece for this Sixers team, assuming everybody stays healthy. JJ Reddick fills that role. They needed a guy from the wing who could shoot the lights out, and that's exactly what JJ Reddick does. And it's it's a low downside maneuver because they're only signing him for one year. So it's a one year, twenty three million dollar deal. Sixers have plenty of cap space, doesn't lock them into a long term contract. They also signed Demir Johnson from Boston. Uh he'll be so now all of a sudden, Jeff, you know, you were going down last season to see the games and you kinda had the backup players you didn't know this season. You're going to have a deep roster there to see. I think it's going to be exciting to watch them. It, it's The predictions have really kind of gone up. It, it's no longer, 80, let's have them better. 80% chance that the Sixers make the playoffs. That's what Sportsline upgraded yep. them to after Redick. Some, some stats on how good J.J. Redick actually is. He shot 45% on three-point field goals over the last season. No player in the NBA with at least 300 attempts has a better percentage. He hit 203 pointers last season. The only Sixers player with 203 pointers in a season is Kyle Korver in 2004-2005. Long time ago. He's the 14th best three-point shooter in in percentage in the history of the league, uh, ahead of names like Ray Allen and Reggie Miller. Who? Yeah. <laughs> Never heard of him. <laughs> it's so you got somebody who is a legit scorer who will not be asked to do more than that. Well, I think that he'll be asked to do more than that, but it'll be off the court. Yes, I, I leadership. Th- I, that's what I think is the bigger thing here, is the Sixers have all these young guys, and as Bob Ford mentioned last week, these aren't guys who won in college. Ben Simmons didn't go to the NCAA tournament. Markel Fultz did not go to the NCAA tournament and won either seven or nine games. This Eleven. Eleven? Nine or 11. It, it, it was a ridiculously low number Not of good. games that they've won. <laughs> um, Embiid was hurt, so he wasn't in the tournament. So you don't have guys that know how to win. By the way. And in, that matters. You mentioned Joel Embiid. Uh, he's in a little Twitter war with your boy LeVar Ball. Yeah. I, I don't really want to talk about LeVar Ball again, but seriously. <laughs> and we can't use the word. No, you can't that, even that say is. what they're saying back and forth on the air. We'd get thrown off. <laughs> uh, I, I love Joel Embiid, but don't humor LeVar Ball. Get back on the court soon. Be well, healthy. I, I think he shut that down a little bit. Yeah. So. Yeah. LeVar, LeVar tried to get the last word in. Okay. So. Wait. And can you picture next year Lonzo Ball going down the middle? What Joel Embiid's going to Oh, do he's going to look to swat that ball right into uh-huh. to his father's face. He's going to hope that Lon, that LeVar's sitting first row and he's going to swat Lonzo's ball back yeah, into if, his face. Yeah, if I can make any recommendation to LeVar, and I've tried to make a lot, and he's obviously he's not, not going to listen. To you. If I were him, I would sit as high up as possible because otherwise Embiid's going to check right before the game starts, see where LeVar is sitting, Jeff Rupert, and swat the ball right through. Is this the type of father that you are with your daughter? Do you go and no, talk trash on all the other special no, Olympics no, athletes? No, I, but, but when she throws up a crazy shot... I sometimes jump up and yell. So you want to make yeah. sure that she's okay. So and, and I and I get a glare from the coach. Like so, sit down and shut up. So they don't want to have you doing that. They they no. want to make sure that you're. And so maybe nobody ever did that for Lavar. <laughs> but anyway, well, Magic Johnson might. Anyway, he and uh, he and Joel Embiid are, are in the middle of of having a good yeah, time. Yeah, but back to the Sixers. That we brought in another shooter too. We did. Tell us about it. 
Erkin Korkmaz. I just wanted you to say his That's name. That's right. I got it right, though. <laughs> you made me say the, the player's name that was drafted last week for it, Bob Ford. What was his name? I don't know. I'm not say, even trying. There you go. I screwed it up last week. I feel bad butchering people's names. <laughs> it, I mean, I don't have the toughest one to say, so uh-huh. I feel like really bad. So Korkmaz is an interesting uh, person because they bought out his contract. I'm not 100% sure what position he's going to play yet. I wonder whether he plays in the preseason and then goes to the G League or if he stays with the pro team to get more experience. I wonder which which direction they go with him. I, I, I just can't even get you. You just said something, which is G League. Well, that's, know, it's not the D League anymore. It's the Gatorade League. Right. The G League. It should have, I mean, the D League at least made sense. Yeah, they, a Gatorade now sponsors it, so they're calling it the G League instead of the D League. Marketing yeah. and branding at its finest. <laughs> but it's a local team in uh, Wellington. It is the yep. the 87ers, and so that's another and, great. And, and with the with the ability to have the two way contracts now, where they can go back and forth, mm-hmm. you wonder how they're going to kind of put together this roster and what Brett Brown's going to do with positions. Let's run real fast before we go. By the way, the how game. nice is it that, that he has these options? Because you still have Nick Stauskas out there, I was so you say, have a bunch of guys who can come off the bench and just shoot. You do. And so if you're if it's your starting lineup, uh, by the way, uh, Jeff Rutberg, this will surprise you not, I DVR'd the Markel Fultz Summer League I did game. too. Um, and I watched the game the other night. So Markel Fultz still hasn't won in the pros either <laughs> after his bad season. But did you, what but, a great way to start. He ran down the court and blocked somebody from behind. He did. He is so athletic. I think he's going to frustrate Sixers fans, though, because he's so good he makes it look easy. And so at times he looks like he's not putting in effort because it's effortless to him. Uh, he's such a smooth player. And and so I wonder with these expectations, again, you're going to have two rookies in the backcourt. They're going to be making turnovers. They're going to make mistakes. And so you hear people on the radio saying predictions, 40, 41 wins, higher than that. It's going to, it may take a little time. Remember, the Sixers last year didn't get it going until January. They still need to figure out who's carrying the ball up. Well, and that, so, so the lineup right now looks like it's going to be uh, Fultz, mm-hmm. uh, Simmons. Yep. Who would you put? Would you put Covington? Yes. In the starting lineup, uh-huh. and then Reddick and Embiid. I don't know. Redick, I, I don't yeah, know if Reddick yeah. will be in it. I mean, it, that's a small lineup. Except so who for do Embiid. you put in at the four? Dario. So Dar- you. So see, I like Dario as a sixth man eventually. I like Dario as the leadership on the second team that comes in. But yeah, but that's a that is a small lineup. It to is. Have out there. I mean, Simmons, granted, is six ten, but. It's still a small lineup up front, and you're going to have a rebound. I, I continue to ask the question of what do you do at the four? Mm-hmm. But it gets well, well, back Amir, to you have Amir Johnson, but I don't think he's going to start. I don't think they want him to start. Right. And an article I was reading earlier today about Brad Stevens said that they're basically going to positionless basketball. Right. That rather than five positions on the court, it's basically three positions: it's a well, center, a forward, and a guard. And how they play in terms of are you a uh, point forward, or you. Well, that's a, what the Warriors do. Exactly. I mean, almost all of their players, except their center, can play other positions. And it seems like that's the direction that and that's the what Sixers are going in, in terms of optionality, where you have players that can play different positions, that can have different matchups with what's going on. And it leads you to some excitement for a young team 
that already has sold out their season tickets for next year. You know, I sold, sold out their season tickets? They have sold 14,000 yeah. season tickets. Uh, oh. Jeff Cohen uh, has gotten some finally after I all did. the phone calls. Yeah. He broke down. Uh-huh. He, he got Whoa. his season tickets, so he'll be down there to watch. And and uh, how about uh, we haven't spoken about Holmes, Rashard Holmes? So I think he's going to come off the bench. I think in the long run they'd like to develop him into a four, and I think he's got the athleticism, but I don't think he comes off the bench now. I, I just want to – I'm holding up my watch. Because we're now 11 minutes into the show, and we haven't talked about Okafor yet. Yeah, Okafor. Yeah, I knew. I knew that's where you were going. It is amazing. You don't hear. It's like he's not here anymore. They tried to trade him for Amir Johnson. They tried to do a sign and trade, and Boston said no. He he was the number three pick in the draft, and you can't give him away right now. It's stunning the fall that he's had now. Part of that is his play and his attitude that, that people perceive. It's, the it, other part is the makeup of the league right now. Yeah, well, the problem is is that he he doesn't fall within this new statistics league. No. So when they measure, which I th- wish they had done when we were kids, but they measure your defense as well as your offense now. And Okafor is as big a negative as possible on on defense, so it's a waste to have him on the court. Well, and a back-to-the-basket center is not with, right. with some of the – that's why he doesn't mm-hmm. fit, at least with the Sixers. It's not the style that they're playing running he up doesn't and down fit the court. With it. He doesn't fit anywhere. Well, that's, well, that's why he, they can't get rid of him. It, it, it's amazing. I mean, he could score 20 points a night. Yeah, yeah but he could, he could give up 40. Right. <laughs> and that's the problem is, is it a net negative having him on the court because he slows your team down, and while he gives you points, he's a liability on defense. And that's where Brett Brown's going to have to figure out where he's in the rotation. And, and listen, part of it, part of it is athleticism, but he's not somebody that doesn't have athleticism. And the reason that he becomes more and more and will become more and more disliked in the city is because defense is about effort. And, yeah. and when you don't play good defense, they, people in this city go, you're not giving the effort. And the, that's the biggest sin you can commit in this. So city. you want to hear a fun fact? J.J. Redick made his NBA debut on November 25th, 2006. Markel Fultz was eight years old. (laughs) (laughs) So you want to talk about how he's going to be here to mentor. Mm -hmm. You hope that some of the experience between he and Amir Johnson and some of the other players they're bringing in, they teach these young players how to be professionals. Let's go a little bit into the NBA itself. Uh, Crazy offseason. Absolutely crazy. Gordon Hayward, back with Brad Stevens from their Butler yeah, days. you jumped the gun. Why? He's Did not they... back with them yet. They can't, they can't Oh, that's right. They can't the sign him until they trade more people to right. open up money. I've never seen anything like that. Aren't you supposed to figure out your money before you make the move? You, you texted me the other day saying, how did they not do this before they before they said they were signing him? And I have no clue because now what's happening it is the leverage. Utah is holding them up now. Yes. Because Utah's sitting there going, hey. You either have to do a sign and trade, or you might lose him. It's I have not understood how Boston has played this from the start. How do you, I mean? You know what you're offering, Gordon Hayward. Right. You know if you want him that you need to have something worked out. And they you got, can only pay him a certain amount. They've got three players now that they're potentially trying to move to open up salary space. Well, they they're, just traded one of them right before we went on air, which is Avery Bradley. They did. Yeah. He went to the Pistons. Mm-hmm. So more moving around in the NBA. Blake Griffin got a huge deal, five years, $175 million, may not play till December. That's because they, they couldn't find anybody else to take the money. So Chris Paul was gone, and so they had to, to do something with that. 
Uh, the NBA East got even weaker. Uh, Paul George. If that's possible. With Oklahoma City now. Yeah. Uh, so. For one year. Kudos again. Actually, it might be for half a season. Last week, I gave kudos to the Portland Trailblazers Twitter account on welcoming cash considerations. This week, I'd like to give a shout out. to I'm going to get when's your birthday because I'm going to get you a a cash considerations jersey. February, (laughs) and I I want it, and I will wear it on this show, and you could take pictures and post it. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to the Oklahoma Oklahoma City Thunder Police Department for their fantastic trolling on Twitter. Um, They responded to people saying. Thanks for the tweets reporting the theft of Paul George by the Oklahoma City Thunder. Our investigative findings, totally legal and very savvy. Well done. That's some good trolling from the Oklahoma City Police Department. The Thunder's odds went from 80 to 1 to 40 to 1 after the trade to win the title. I still don't think they're beating Golden State. But see, the, the, no, the, the Sixers are getting stronger, so they are. Know, they, they might uh, go farther well, than you think. And the Sixers are getting stronger because the East is getting weaker. Like, the Sixers team is what it is, and they're going to be a stronger team. But at the same time, you now have Jimmy Butler's gone. He's in the West. You have Paul George. He's gone. He's in the West. You you are taking stars out of your division and putting them out in the West. So it's better for the Sixers. Absolutely. Paul Millsap, gone. He's now with the Denver Nuggets. You basically have three Eastern Conference All-Stars from last season that are in the West. Did you want Iguodala back here? No. No, I didn't think I didn't want him either. I like Iguodala, but I think he just used liked, the Sixers as leverage. Yeah, I think uh, he, I think the, I think he used the Sixers too, but I think he would have been another guy who would have been a good leader. He's already proven that he's okay with not being a starter as long as the team is progressing. And I think that added bringing the Warriors attitude to the Sixers locker room would have expedited the process. Ah, process. Oh, I didn't Uh-oh. even mean to. Use. Ding, 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 ding. That's the magic word for the day. We uh-huh. have to get like a bell. Brett, our producer back there, let's find a bell for every time somebody says the process. <laughs> something. We'll, we'll come up with something creative for that uh, for future shows. Okay, the Raptors maintain their big three, keeping Lowry and Serge Ibaka. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steph Curry making yeah. a little bit of money now. 201. Five years, $201 million. LeBron said that's not enough. So think about this before we get to LeBron, okay, because <laughs> I, I will say that. Over the last four seasons, the Warriors paid him $44 million. Mm-hmm. Not a little bit of money at all. By the, by the way, that's, that's less than double what J.J. Reddick's making for this season. Absolutely. Yeah. But under his new deal, he'll average $40 million each season for the next five years. That's that incredible. He, he's doing all right. Oh, I think he deserves it, though. Oh, well, he is that franchise. LeBron thinks he deserves it, too. How much does LeBron think he deserves? $400 million. $400 million. Yeah. Because, and because Le- LeBron and thinks Le- he's worth $800 million. <laughs> Well, LeBron's rationalization for that was the increase in the value of the franchise since Steph Curry's been there. And the increase in the value yeah, of the Yeah, but, the, you know, that that is – look, I, have n- I am not a big fan of protecting the owners – but the owners invested the money and take the risk. The players are not taking any of the risk as, as far as the NBA goes. You cannot say that a player should be played so much mo- paid so much money because the value increases because the owners well, aren't. Well, sure LeBron can, but you can disagree well, with him. Say it. He, <laughs> he can, can say what he wants. But it doesn't make sense because the value that's increased is not something an owner sees until the owner actually sells the team. Jeff, so it doesn't the, make sense. It's Jeff, the fans that pay. I was going to say, this. Jeff, do you care about player salaries? No, I don't. 
So I, I'm not the GM. I, don't, I just if they want to come here and play, great. If they don't get out, goodbye. So if they don't come here, like, what's your wait? Are you talking about players that are? rejecting coming here or players that leave because of players money? that both, leave because both. of money okay um i mean i don't begrudge somebody for going and, and making money i, I really don't, don't. If, my, if my team doesn't i didn't have a go problem give with it to him. i wanted jason worth to say but i didn't have a problem with him leaving for that much money i just don't i think, wouldn't have turned it down i just so don't think I fans him? can even relate to contemplate how much money 201 million dollars but i don't you know i think it's gotten fans have gotten past that i think that a few years ago, it was one thing. Now the money is so incomprehensible that I don't think the fans care necessarily about money. And the only time it really comes up anymore is is when an athlete doesn't produce. And then you start hearing them say, he's he's making $25 million this year and he's not worth it. But it's just a number. I don't, it, know. I don't know how you end up deciding worth we can um, one more stat because you know I always am interested in Vegas mm-hmm. and and the the gambling side of things with these sports that of course they don't talk about. Nevada sportsbooks lost 4.4 million dollars on basketball in May, making it what the worst basketball month ever per state gaming control. Why? I don't. Well, I had a question for you with that. Did they lose that money because the betters made better bets, or did they lose that money because there was less money? being gambled in general. Well, I'm far from the expert, but I think the the blowouts in terms of the lines probably made it challenging to try and and get a balance on both sides of of the wager on that one. Uh, Well, if there is anybody I'm going to feel less concerned about it's Vegas. Then owners, it's going to be uh, bookies. So if we're, if, we're doing the, if we're doing the Jeff Cohen rankings, we put um, Vegas, bookies, owners, right? And then that, Cowboys fans. And then Cowboys Below fans. <laughs> okay, Jeff Cohen, take us to break. Jeff, uh, or Jeff, Jeff Rothberg, take us to okay. break. I don't even know who this I'm talking This is the heart anymore. of sports on 610 AM Sports. When we come back, we'll talk to Scott Profrock, the assistant general manager of the Phillies. If you'd like to call in, it's 888-728-9941. We'll be right back. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.NewJerseyShares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Let me tell you, buying or selling a home is a life-changing decision. Whether you're looking for your first home or searching for your forever home, Ann Coons is the realtor you need. In fact, she helped my wife and I settle into our forever home. With over 30 years helping satisfied clients buy and sell homes in the Delaware Valley, Ann Coons will give you the professional and reliable service you deserve. When it's time to buy or sell a home in South Jersey or Philadelphia, contact Ann Coons, the only name you need to know in real estate. You can call Ann Coons today at 856-795-4709. Again, that's 856-795-4709. Or learn more on the web at www.annkoonsrealestate.com. And welcome back to the Heart of Sports on 610 AM Sports. I'm Jeff Rutberg along with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. 
If you want to join the conversation, give us a call, 888-728-9941. We are very excited in the second segment here. We always enjoy talking Phillies on the show, and this week... We have somebody who knows a little bit more than uh, my two Jeffs here. We have a lot, more. a lot more. We have the assistant general manager for the Philadelphia Phillies, Scott Profrock. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Well, thank you, Jason and uh, and Jeff and Jeff for having me. I'm uh, happy to talk to you. Are you looking forward to fireworks night two? Because we we're just talking about how you have some of the best fireworks in the area. Well, I uh, have to be honest with you. I don't. Uh, I don't stick around for the fireworks. Well, you've done enough during the day that that you're probably ready to be done. We'll we'll jump right well, in. Well, well, hold on, Scott. Will, no. you, will you be wearing a retro jersey tonight? That's right. No, I, I won't be doing that either. I'm just glad I'm not a Las Vegas bookie, though. Right? <laughs> yeah, they they had a, they had a tough season. <laughs> no, you. but uh, I generally try to get out and uh, beat the traffic. So. Uh, uh, I have seen my share of fireworks over the years. So That's a smart man right there. Get out and beat the traffic. So let's talk about the, the big league team right now. Um, you know, some ups and downs this season. We've got some young players up playing, some some new players um, that have been brought up since. What are your thoughts, if if you're talking to the fans, on what they're seeing with the big league team right now, surprises, things you expected? What, what's, your, what's your thoughts? Well, I think it's, it's pretty typical of a team that's, uh, you know, in a – you know, whatever you want to call it, rebuild, retool, whatever for, you know, young players to, you know, to be uh, somewhat inconsistent. I mean, uh, they take some time to, you know, to adjust to the major leagues, to uh, make adjustments uh, when the the pitchers make, you know, for hitters, when the pitchers make adjustments to them and, and vice versa with the with the pitchers to the hitters. So uh, this is not unusual. I've, I've been involved with, this is my fifth, Different major league team that I've worked for, and and I've been in involved in you know some sense of this process in each one of the teams I've with been with, and uh, um, you know this is not unusual. It's never really a, a straight line progression, uh, you know, for teams to go from you know from the bottom to the top. There's there's dips and and fits and spurts, and I think that's just what we're seeing right now. And you know the the whole purpose of the season obviously is to be as competitive as possible but with the young players that we have uh, we've wanted to try to you know get some answers uh, with regards to the players um, you know who we think that, that are here currently in the major leagues that can be with us you know uh, when we take the next step uh, you know towards uh, you know being uh, back in the thick of things from the, a playoff perspective and uh, you know we may not like some of the answers we're getting but we're still getting those answers and you know, there's some answers that uh, you know that we we've been very pleased with. Aaron Altier is a a very good example of that. Um, you know, he's had some injuries over the course of his career throughout the minor leagues, and with a chance being healthy, he's really uh, made some adjustments and uh, and has been uh, you know a very pleasant surprise to this point. Scott, you mentioned that you're trying to see how these guys are going to do, and that it's not a straight line progression. How do you know when to cut bait on a player? How do you know when to say, okay, now we need to move to the next one? I mean, you have you have guys here that everybody sees a lot of potential. Some of them have have moved forward, like Aaron Altair, who's a great example of that, and 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 some of them are like Mikel Franco and Odubel Herrera, who seem to have taken a step back this year. 
Yeah, I mean, and again, like I said, it's it's never a you know it's never a uh, you know uh, you know linear uh, whatever whatever uh, phrase metaphor you want to use for it. Um, and again, that's that's where we lean heavily on our scouts and our major league staff. Uh, they get feedback, you know, on these guys and you know find out whether they're uh, you know they're, they're, the effort is there, whether they have the aptitude to make adjustments. Um, you know, all those things. And, you know, again, they're at the major leagues, they're at the highest level. And, and uh, you know, we had a scout when I was with the Braves named Ralph Gar, who was a fine major league player, but he was an amateur scout. And he always used to tell our scouting director, said, you know, I can tell you who I think is going to play in the major leagues, but I can't tell you what they're going to be when they get there because they always seek their own level. And, you know, there's some guys that get here and they're happy to be here. There's some guys that are driven to be the best uh, they can possibly be and continue to, um, you know, to give their, you know, full attention to that purpose. Uh, there's guys that, um, you know, suffer injuries that, that derail them. Um, you know, it's just a, it's just a, you know, uh, very, uh, you know, uh, uns, unscientific is not the right word, but it's just a very, um, you know, difficult uh thing to you know to know for sure who is going to be the guy and, and ultimately they just have to go play and and you know like like I said they seek their own level when they get to the major league so uh, some guys figure out that they you know can't make the adjustments and uh, some guys can and, and some guys are better at it than others so and and when I hear I've heard that phrase before about players seeking their own level Odubel Herrera seems to be the one that that is the biggest uh, question mark or enigma in my mind because I remember last year he he was walking a ton and when he would walk he would smack his hands together and look towards the dugout and he seemed excited and and he was hitting over 300 and this year it's it's the complete he's he's actually seen the fruits of doing it the right way but instead of seeking that excellent level or staying at that excellent level I think the fans are a little confused as to why he has regressed back to hitting 250 and almost never walking. Well, well and again, uh, like I said, I mean, the teams make adjustments to us, and the players have to make those adjustments. And Oduble, you got to remember, <clears throat> um, you know, came from mostly a ball to the major leagues. Um, you know, when we took him in the Rule 5 draft. And, and, you know, if you go back and look at the seasons he's had, there's been some inconsistencies, you know, you know, ups and downs, you know, through those seasons. And, you know, he got off to a, a, a rough start here this year. He started to, you know, got a, had a spurt in June, then sort of regressed a little bit. And I think he's starting to come around again. It's just, it's just a matter of, you know, of all these guys, um, you know, developing consistency. And, and that doesn't happen overnight. And I think that uh, you know, to his credit, his defense has been has been consistently good. Uh, he's taking some better routes to the ball. Um, he still is is a very energetic and enthusiastic player, not only for himself but for his teammates. And you know, there's still you know an opportunity for him to you know to continue to grow. Um, you know, obviously we you know we even we invested in him. You know, he's the only player that we have uh, extended beyond this year. Um, and, and we believe in him and, you know, think that, uh, again, there's still, there's still growth there and there's still, uh, you know, the, the need for him to, you know, to continue to 
make adjustments and develop consistency, and, and we believe he will. So you talk about the the rebuild, and to be honest, I mean, I understand that fans are frustrated by the rebuilding process. They want to win. I actually have said a few times on this show, I appreciate the honesty that you're going through it. I don't really like it when teams are going through a rebuild and they try to make it out like they're not. Um, like, I appreciate that you respect the fans enough to tell them that. And and you see the ups and downs and the fact that there's uh, – Phillies have a major league high 21 one-round losses so far this season. Then I see the news that Vinny Velasquez is making a rehab dis- assignment, and I wonder – is he going to come back as a starter or with the, some of the challenges we've had in the bullpen and the, the stuff that he has, is there the opportunity that he could be moved? What's your thoughts on the bullpen for this team and the, the status of the pitching staff right now? Well, with regards to, to Vinny uh, directly, I mean, he's been out a significant amount of time. He's going to uh, continue to work as a starter and be stretched out, and we plan on you know having him back in the rotation uh uh, before you know when he comes back to the major league, so uh, he's not someone that that we see as a uh, you know a solution to the bullpen. Um, he is a starting pitcher for us, and and will continue to you know to develop that. And again, you know you go back. I mean, he only he had a you know roughly a year of service, and a significant amount of that was on the DL, I believe, uh, before we got him last year. And and uh, you know we were we were somewhat cautious with him from a a health standpoint, limiting his innings because he hadn't pitched a lot uh, in previous years. And, uh, you know, although we weren't looking to do that uh, at this particular point with his DL situation, and, you know, it does give us the opportunity to, you know, uh, make sure he's healthy and, and, uh, and, and monitor his innings, you know, going forward this year. I mean, and again, ultimately the main thing is to, to you know, continue his development as a starting pitcher, uh, continue to develop his secondary pitches, um, you know, to go along with the, the obviously uh, outstanding fastball that he has, um, you know, to make him a complete pitcher. As far as our bullpen is concerned, uh, currently, uh, I think we're getting to the point where we've, we're getting guys that are, you know, sort of established in roles. I mean, Hector Neris did a fine job for us last year. Uh, Jenmar Gomez, you know, for Five months last year was a, was our closer and did a great job. And uh, Edubrey Ramos was in the seventh inning, and those guys sort of had set roles this year. Um, you know, it hasn't been you know as consistent a, a lineup of guys in the pen uh, knowing their roles specifically. We've sort of been you know feeling the feeling our way with the with the addition of Benoit and Nishak, and I think we're to the point now where. You know, Hector's Hector's in the the closer role. Uh, Joaquin and and Nishak in the seventh and eighth, and um, you know the other guys filling around him. Unfortunately, we haven't had a lot of opportunities to to use them. Uh, you know, to close out games for us because we haven't you know we we haven't put ourselves in a situation to win a lot of games uh, of late. But I think we're finally getting to that point. And you know, obviously, you know, there's there's a possibility of you know Joaquin or Pat or both being moved. And, you know, that'll open up opportunities for other guys like, you know, possibly Luis Garcia, who's thrown the ball, you know, better uh, of late. Um, you know, Hobie Milner uh, just came up. Uh, we think he can be, at, at a minimum, a, a left-handed specialist uh, and, you know, possibly more than that. Uh, Adam Morgan's thrown the ball better since he's come back. Uh, and, you know, we've got we've got a couple of guys uh, in the minor leagues. Uh, Udubre Ramos was here and was sent down, and we hope that he'll be back. And, and Ricardo Pinto, who just came up, uh, has shown good stuff as well. So I think there's, 
You know, I think there's the makings of a solid pen, uh, and I, I think the other thing that's happened is our starting pitcher has given us more innings of late, and that's allowed, you know, Pete and, and Bob McClure and, and Rick Kranitz to, you know, to, to uh, monitor their workload and, and put them in better situations, uh, you know, to be well-rested when they do get the opportunities. Well, Scott, you've mentioned the minor leagues. I, I spend a lot of time because I have a teenage son who thinks he's your um, – ghost general manager so he loves to go to the minor leagues so we wanted to spend a little time on on that um first off the the name that is on everybody's the tip of their tongue these days in philadelphia is is a kid that's moved through the system pretty rapidly and scott kingery um what are your thoughts on on him and do you have an answer for the fans that that seem to want him up here yesterday well, yes. I mean, he's a he's a fine player, and and he's part of our future for sure. But you know, I don't know if you remember this gentleman's name, Hal McRae. He was uh, our manager when I was in Tampa, and um, we had a, a young player named Delman Young, uh, who everyone's familiar with here. I think <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. for the wrong the, reasons. <laughs> first first player picked in the draft, and. You know, Hal told me one thing, because we, we got in a situation in Tampa a number of times, whether it was Carl Crawford or, or Rocco Baldelli, where we pushed guys through the system uh, probably faster than we should have. And I won't say probably, definitely faster than we should have. Uh, we weren't very good at the major league level, and, and, you know, we wanted to get those guys to the major leagues to, you know, basically respond to the fans, uh, you know, uh, you know, requests for, for better players, for our young players. But we did a disservice to both those guys. Carl Crawford had tremendous power. And when we, I think he went three levels or two levels in one year, then he went from double-A AA to triple-A to the major leagues. Um, he never got to that power. When he got to the major leagues, he was in survival mode, and he became a slap hitter. And he had great speed, and he used that speed, but I don't think he ever... Uh, got to the point where he was able to utilize the God-given power that he had because we never gave him the opportunity in the minor leagues to to get to it and make the adjustments necessary to do that. Same thing with Rocco Baldelli. They both came to the major leagues and, and did well. They were both very gifted athletes with, with great foot speed, and I can't tell you how many infield hits both of them had uh, uh, in their first year or so in the major leagues. But I don't think we, we did them justice by allowing them uh, to develop properly in the minor leagues and and you know with a guy like Cesar Hernandez at the major league level um, and you know I think we have the 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 ability to allow these guys uh, to develop their full capabilities in the major leagues so that when they get here they stay here um, and I think that's the thing that um, you know we need to do and the other thing is these guys are going to struggle at the major league level and, and quite frankly we're seeing with some of these guys now you know they need to they need to be at a level where they struggle and are able to get out of it. And Scott, quite frankly, has not struggled anywhere for any extended period of time. Um, and you know the worst thing you can do to a player is get them to the major leagues and they struggle for the first time and, and then they don't know what to do. So from the development standpoint, we have you know we have a, a very good second baseman at the major league level. We have a kid that's played. You know, really not a whole full year at Double A. He played half. You know, maybe had 150 at bats there at the end of the year last year, and maybe you know 250 there this year. And now he's at Triple A. 
Um, you know, I think we need to exercise some caution and some patience, and that's what we're doing uh, with the development of these young guys to make sure that, like I said, when they get to the major leagues, they're ready to stay in the major leagues, and they're ready to play the game the right way. Um, Scott? You know, do the little things. And, and I've seen Scott both in AA and AAA this year, and he – he has, you know, he has those abilities, but I think the important thing is to make sure that he's prepared uh, completely when he gets to the major leagues. Uh, Scott, uh, although the Phillies have already brought up nine players who've made their major league debut this year, uh, lots of fans are talking about other players in the minor league system, such as uh, Dylan Cousins. Do you, can we expect to see the, him in Philly sometime soon? Uh, he, he still got some things to work on with, uh, with, with his approach. Uh, he still strikes out probably way more than we would like him to. Um, he has, you know, again, he got off to a really rough start there this year, uh, and has made some adjustments and is making some progress. And I think he, uh, I believe he's on the AAA All-Star team. I know he's still only hitting around 230, but he was hitting like a buck 50. And is that what you uh, hope to see, Scott, where they figure it out in the minors? They go through those struggles like Crawford's gone through, and then they come out on the other side where they, they sort of get their confidence back and learn how to survive over a longer term? Absolutely. Like I said, I mean, they, they're they going to struggle. Everyone struggles at the major league level. I mean, even Bryce Harper struggled last year. But, you know, they have to experience the struggling and then the ability to get themselves, you know, back uh, and get out of that struggle. And I think that's an experience that, you know, if they have it in the minor leagues when it happens at the major league level, and it will, they're able, you know, it's not a surprise. and They know, well, I've done this before, I've had this problem before, and I can, I can you know, I can get back to where I need to be. You know, whatever the, whatever the trigger for that is, but at least they have the confidence that they know that you know, if they do struggle, they're gonna they're gonna be able to get back to where they need to be. Scott, I, I have a question about the process that you all go through when you when you bring in these sixteen year old kids. Um, I've watched since he, he's played a couple years in Lakewood and he's kind of made his way up. Carlos, Carlos, and I think it's Toshi, um, mm-hmm. who who looks like he's pencil thin. Um, but he, he finally, even though he's now up to, I think, a whopping 160 or 165 pounds, he really seems to be settling in as, as a hitter. And I think he's hitting around 315 now. On the other hand, there was another guy that was kind of pencil thin when he came a few years ago in Franklin Killame. And he seems to have filled out, I think he's about 230 now and about 6'7. How do you, when you're looking at these international players who are essentially freshmen and, and sophomores in high school, who who haven't gone through their real growth spurts yet, how do you decide? What are you looking for when when you bring those guys in or decide whether to um, to draft them to decide that they're going to be able to fill out and fulfill a promise when when they're so young and. Well, it's definitely a, a, a tough thing to do. I mean, and again, I'll give Sal Augustinelli, our, our international scouting director, a lot of credit. I mean, they do, uh, they've known the kids. I mean, you talk about, you know, they sign when they're 16 years old, but they've known them since they were 12 or 13 and followed them and, and have some idea of, you know, their, their family situation. You know, and a lot of it obviously is genetics, you know, from the standpoint of, you know, what the mom and the dad look like. 
uh, and, um, you know, what their nutrition situation has been, uh, those sorts of things. And, 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 you know, going back to Carlos specifically, we've tried, you know, uh, a number of times to, you know, to get him to get stronger, to, you know, eat more, whatever, you know, to try it, and he just has not filled out. That doesn't mean he's not ever going to get to play in the major leagues. Uh, but again, he's still only 21 or 22 years old, and he's been in the organization for you know five or six years, um, and uh, and he has gotten better. He has gotten stronger. He still uh, you know has a ways to go, but you know he's up to Double A and he's he's performing well. There's still not a lot of power there, but he's an outstanding defensive outfielder, uh, and um, you know he's you know he's you know a, a, a someone that that uh, certainly has. An opportunity to play in the major leagues and gives us, you know, a lot of, you know, we have we have a depth at the outfield position with some of the guys we have, which, you know, uh, you know, gives you an opportunity, you know, whether they play in the major leagues for us or somebody else, you know, maybe there's maybe there's an opportunity to uh, use that depth. I'm not talking Carlos specifically, but you know, just in general, when you have depth of prospects uh, in one area, you know, possibly you can you know you can use that to help yourself acquire. Uh, fill a need in another area. So, um, you know, we're very pleased, uh, you know, to have him uh, in in our system. We could keep going and ask you questions all night, and we'd be fascinated by the answers. I have one last one so we can let you get back to what you're doing. Maybe for fans who are frustrated by the, the talk of being patient when they feel like it's been a challenge for the last few years, can you talk a little bit about the philosophy of the organization, some of the lessons you've learned with other franchises, and, and how – as an organization, you're incorporating analytics and sports science into these evaluations and progressions and decisions about when players are ready to come up to the next level. Right. Well, like I said, I've been in this is my fifth organization in 30 years in the game, and been in various stages of this process. And and uh, you know, in every one of them, patience is the rarest of commodities, not only from uh, from the fans, but from ownership. Uh, and I think we're very blessed here to have ownership uh, that is patient and is trusting in Andy and Matt and the experience uh, you know that we all have here uh, to do this the right way. Uh, and you know Andy and Matt uh, have uh, you know and, and and John Middleton has has you know and the Buck family have emphasized uh, you know us you know being more uh, you know. Uh, involved and, and uh, than we have been in the past in using analytics, uh, we've we've had tremendous investment, uh, you know, with regards to staffing and infrastructure uh, to uh, you know to utilize those capabilities. I think we're still, um, you know, uh, uh, you know probably uh, a little behind where some other teams are, but I think we're making rapid uh, progress and. I think it's it's certainly become uh, an integral part of our decision making process and our evaluation process uh, throughout uh, our own system. I mean, the one thing that uh, is important in any organization in baseball and always will be and always has been is we need to know our own players better than anybody else because we need to make the decisions on those players uh, whether to trade them to keep them before anybody else has figured out you know uh, whether whether they can play or not. Um, and you know we've you we're using a lot of uh, you know the capabilities that we've we've uh, added to the organization to help us evaluate our own 
players not only to uh, from that perspective, but from also ways to help them improve and help them uh, make adjustments. Uh, whether it's you know with video, with the Statcast data, uh, you know all the different things that are available, we've got people throughout the minor leagues and at the major league level um, that are uh, you know available to our players uh, to help them utilize the information to get the most out of their abilities and. Uh, we've been very blessed to have that commitment from ownership and, and from management. Well, we're going to keep playing armchair GM here on the radio and analyzing everything, but we appreciate you coming on and giving us some thoughts from inside the organization on, on how we should go about doing that general managing. We'd love for you to come back on with us in the future, and thanks so much for joining us today. Happy happy to do it any time, and uh, good luck to you guys in your new time slot. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a great Thank one. You. Thank you. Jeff, why don't you take us a break? And you're listening to The Heart of Sports on 610 AM. When we come back, we'll talk about Colin Kaepernick, the NHL, and the controversial fight in Brisbane. Oh, i got a lot if, to say about that. Oh, I'm sure you do. Oh, you, I do. If you would like to join us in the conversation or discuss something else, please call us at 888-728-9941. We'll be right back. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon residential landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Let me tell you, buying or selling a home is a life-changing decision. Whether you're looking for your first home or searching for your forever home, Ann Coons is the realtor you need. In fact, she helped my wife and I settle into our forever home. With over 30 years helping satisfied clients buy and sell homes in the Delaware Valley, Ann Coons will give you the professional and reliable service you deserve. When it's time to buy or sell a home in South Jersey or Philadelphia, contact Ann Coons, the only name you need to know in real estate. You can call Ann Coons today at 856-795-4709. Again, that's 856-795-4709. Or learn more on the web at www.annkoonsrealestate.com. And welcome back to the Heart of Sports on 610 AM. I'm Jeff Rutberg with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. If you'd like to join the conversation, give us a call, 888-728-9941. Jeff Cohen, where's my Law & Order music when I need it? I, I need some, it. some courtroom drama or a little dun-dunk going on, something to <laughs> introduce my weekly dose of legal news from the world of sports. Dun-dun. You want me to wear a robe uh, or, that's right. or a wig? I got, I got Brett, time. our producer, on the other side, give, giving us a little law and order dun-dun so we don't violate copyrights because I wouldn't <laughs> want to get my lawyer friend in trouble here that's right. while we do this. Okay. What is going on with Cop, Colin, Ka- Colin Kaepernick, I can't even speak, and does he have a case against the NFL to sue? Well, what's going on with him is nothing. He's got no uh, job. He's got no job. I think he's abroad now working on something, actually, that that's a, a pretty admirable thing that he's doing. Yeah, he but, backs up the things he talks about yeah. for the people who aren't, you know, want to make opinions about him. He does go out and walk the law. Right. So, but right now, his his day job was supposed to be quarterback in the <laughs> NFL. The problem is, is nobody will touch him with a 10-foot pole. 
because of his play, or is he alleging it has nothing to do with his play? Well, I, I assume that if you ask an owner, they're going to say it's because of his play. But let's not forget that three less than what was it three years ago, he led a team to the NFC Championship and to get into the Super Bowl. So, and had the lights not gone out, maybe he would have won. But (laughs) that's right. But that's right. But we now have a situation where Cap, you've started to hear not necessarily from Kaepernick, but from other places, uh, armchair lawyers say that maybe Colin Kaepernick should file a lawsuit. So, what does my armchair lawyer say about it? I I say that he'd be wasting his time. Okay. Um, because so does he have a case to prove? He does he? I guess he has to prove that he was wrong. That's what. Well, the, the way that it would work is is that unlike um, some other cases, the NFL has a collective bargaining agreement. So there's a set of rules that they're supposed to follow. Uh, in in the NFL, the collective bargaining agreement would require him to file a grievance under what's called Article 17, and it's an anti-collusion provision. Provision and for people that. That don't know anything about collusion. Collusion means is that it, more than one person or entity has to agree to do something negative towards another person. So, so he's what, saying everybody's agreed not to hire him because he's so outspoken and correct. it is a black spot, black mark on the team. Yeah, I mean, you, you've heard in the past uh, there were there were players that were saying that the that the uh, owners were colluding against them to keep salaries down mm-hmm. so they wouldn't sign a player over a certain amount of money and they would all agree to that was one of the allegations that was made years ago he would have to be prove that the owners have gotten together not all of them but a group of them have gotten together and said we're not signing him because of his stance regarding um the national anthem which which by the way seems a little Odd that he's the only one being punished for when this. When other people took a knee. Yeah, he, he he may have been the first one. He boldly took the step. I don't necessarily agree with what he did because I don't think it accomplished much. That's but, a larger conversation. Yeah, <laughs> but 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 from from a legal standpoint, there was nothing wrong with him doing it. What do you say There's, to people who say he has a First Amendment right to free speech? He absolutely does have a First Amendment right, but that doesn't mean that he has a right to employment. So he has the right to say anything he wants. The employer doesn't necessarily have to hire him. Yeah, especially it. in sports. Sports is a, is about image, right? right. I mean, uh, I, I mean, perception. It's, it's it's about well, it's not it's not even just perception. It's about uh, money because for the NFL, it's endorsements. It's your face on Madden 2017. It's all of those things. And if if a player is not popular or a player can't be marketable i think then a, it's not there's no value to i him. think he's a convenient scapegoat he that, is that's just my opinion and i'm going to exercise my first amendment right to move on to the next subject because i want to complain i stayed up last saturday night yeah. to watch boxing mm-hmm. from australia mm-hmm. along with four million other people in the u.s it got very good ratings yeah honestly for I boxing I well, could, let's keep it in context but it, yeah. it got very good ratings. right i could have lived with either decision either of them winning one judge scored this 117 111. <laughs> I, I don't Where know. Where was he from? I don't know what fight they were watching. Actually, two of the three judges were from the U.S. So how about the one that scored at 117? I'm not sure, but Stephen A. Smith lost his mind on the air. Between he and Teddy Atlas, the two of them. When has Stephen not, A. Smith not lost his mind on the air? The, between the two of them, they yeah. were apoplectic about right. the decision. They weren't the only ones. You want to talk about a surprise. So, uh, Jeff Horn in a rugby stadium before 55,000 people. Uh, was a 425 underdog. So some people made some big money if they bet on him for a huge upset, upset, uh, decision that, uh, went to the cards. 
in the ninth round, the ref actually came over to Horn's corner and said, if you don't show me something, I'm going to stop it. And then Horn went on and won the fight. I was very surprised. I was not the only one. Social media lit up with everybody from Aaron Rodgers to Kobe Bryant to Lennox Lewis to Deion Sanders voicing their displeasure of what to happened. To the WBO. To the WBO. So yeah. what happened now with the WBO? So, so before we went on air, the WBO apparently announced that they're going to rescore the fight with five anonymous judges. However, when they rescore the fight, no matter what the score is, Horn stays champion. Okay, so let this, me see if I understand this. might be the most ridiculous I, thing I've ever heard. I am not the brightest person in the world, so I want to make sure that I understand what you just said. <laughs> They're going to have five people rescore the fight, and if they come five back... Five anonymous that, judges. If they come back that anonymously Manny Pacquiao won the fight, yeah. they're going to let people know that and keep Jeff Horn with the title. Ding, ding, ding. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Then don't bother. Uh, they, they, I think the WABO's position is that they don't have authority to do it, which I don't understand why they wouldn't have the authority if it's under the WBO belt. Oh, God. Jeff which Rod- is a whole different conversation because I never understood all the different belts. Why well, can't they consolidate it? Horse racing, uh, they, if, they, if there's an inquiry. They take it away. They take it away. Take right. the win away. Look, there's plenty of places where it'll happen and they'll take something away but i just i was very surprised by the result of the fight i did not think that manny pacquiao looked great i thought he's absolutely lost a step um he can't finish that's no. the problem and he's never had knockout power but mm-hmm. um horn should have been out of the ring um from what was going on in that but what's fight. but what's the point in rescoring the fight that's that's like saying we're going to go back into baseball game and we're going to look at all the pitches again and we're going to decide whether somebody should have walked or, or struck out and but we're not going to change that anything. Sounds, we're just going to criticize the umpires. That for doing sounds it. awful. I'd rather poke my eyes out. Right. Well, I I'd will rather ask do that you, with I will too. ask you the question though. Is the controversy good for boxing? Because you know that the rematch is going to draw bigger ratings nah, than the first so. one. I don't, I don't think so because of who the two guys are. First of all, Horn will never be a big name here, and Pacquiao is already over the hill as far as a boxer goes. If it was two guys in their prime, maybe. But I think I think controversy is good for boxing to some extent if it's a close fight. If it's not if it's not a close fight, or if people don't think that the outcome is legitimate, I think that's why boxing has gone downhill is because people don't believe that boxing's results are trustworthy results. And it's been for a long time, and it's moved into the professional wrestling category. I'm going to have to let you get the last word, even though I will take on professional wrestling another week with you. We are in the <laughs> final minute of the show. Jeff Rupberg, so glad you were back with us this week. Thank final you. thoughts? Final thoughts, two weeks to go for Eagles training camp. That's right. That's right. We, and and, and, and we, we can, can talk. I'd like to talk next week about the Eagles and the Sixers and some of the focus not being on the eagles when's the last time people haven't been talking about eagles training camp at this time of year jeff cohen last thoughts uh, i'll be going off to the phillies game i will stay for the fireworks will you be wearing your retro jersey no i don't have one all right we'll if get on wants to send in a retro jersey. thank you everybody for joining us this week you can send jeff cohen a retro jersey here at the studio if you'd like we'll be back next week on the heart of sports join us next week and every friday to help you start your weekend in style have a great one Bye-bye. bye-bye